Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. The thing about hosting in your home, having people over for a dinner, let's say, is that it's only sort of about the food. Sure, yeah, that might be a main part of the evening, but as Aaron French points out in today's interview, there's a ton of these little steps you can take to show people you care and to make them feel special. She's the chef behind the heart to get into restaurant The Lost Kitchen and author of the book Big Heart, Little Stove. And in this interview with Here and Now's Robin Young, she says that, yeah, she cooks the food, but she thinks of herself less as a chef and more of a hostess a title that's often overlooked and downplayed, but it is a role with a lot of power. That's after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor LiveRight, publishers of Left for Dead, Shipwreck, Treachery, and Survival at the Edge of the World by Eric J. Dolan, the true story of five castaways abandoned on the Falkland Islands during the War of 1812, available wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op, REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. If you've tried to get a reservation at Aaron French's Lost Kitchen restaurant in Freedom, Maine, you know it's the toughest in the world right now. You have to send a postcard in for a lottery, a glowing CBS Sunday morning profile added to the frenzy, and then there's Aaron's own show, The Lost Kitchen. Next, we're serving a family-style salad with bib lettuce, French breakfast radishes, pecorino shavings, and fried capers. Amazing. (laughs) Just amazing. Or maybe you read Erin French's inspirational memoir, Finding Freedom, A Cook's Story, which has been optioned for a movie. Well, if you want your seat at the table, pull up a chair, because we can serve up Erin French herself. She's here in the studio to talk about her beautiful new cookbook, also a guide to hosting a welcoming table and home. It's called Big Heart, Little Stove. Erin, welcome. Hi, Robin. Thank you. Oh, boy, what a story you have. Um, do you mind if we do a little bit of the backstory first? Please. Okay, so you are in Freedom, Maine, where your family once had a diner. Mm-hmm. And we understand that your dad was a bit of a general in running the diner. Well, I think restaurant worlds are, are challenging, and they're long hours. And so I think my dad had to be kind of that difficult guy. Mm-hmm. And it's not an easy job. By any means. Yeah. You leave, you have your own life, but then have a child, have a marriage, you return to Maine, and have an addiction to painkillers. Talk about that phase. Mm -hmm. Well, I started running my own restaurant, and I kind of fell into similar ways of seeing how my, my dad was struggling and being in a difficult marriage and adding in a difficult work life. I found a major sense of lack of balance. And I was looking for anything just to dull that pain that I was going through Mm -hmm. and to dull the struggle. And I found that to be the easiest way in that moment. So how did you turn it around to where you are now? It is a loving, I mean, part of your restaurant's appeal is the kindness. It's loving. It's still Mm -hmm. a lot of hard work, but there's a beauty to it and a beauty to your life. How did you make that turn? Well, I found myself in my first restaurant running it in that kind of typical restaurant way where I was running myself right into the ground. And, I mean, I really crashed into the ground. I lost the first restaurant. I lost my first marriage. And when I found myself picking up the pieces and 
brought myself back to my hometown, I really wanted to look at my life and say, what matters? And to me, that was simplicity and starting a new restaurant, starting a new life and saying, how do I want my life to look? And how do I want my restaurant to feel? And I don't have to follow those typical rules. It could be the restaurant of your dreams that didn't feel like a restaurant, that felt like you were coming to my home. And describe what this dining experience is like. How often is a meal served? What is the approach to serving this meal that people are coming from around the world to have? Well, it's changed a little bit over the years, and especially since COVID. It sounds crazy to say we serve dinner two nights a week. Just on, just on Fridays and Saturdays. And I know I've had plenty of people who have come to me and said, what are you, crazy? How does that work? And what kind of business mind are you using with that? And I mean, for me, it was about if I was going to run this restaurant in a meaningful way and do this for a long time and be able to pour my absolute love into this place, there's a point where you have to say, how do I not burn my staff out? How do I not burn myself out? And after COVID, we never went back to more than two days a week. And that is how we have found the balance to continue to do this. Surrounded by female friends, Mm -hmm, your mm -hmm. mom uh, working with you. And from what we've seen, because we've never been able to get in to Erin French's (laughs) restaurant, uh, but from what we've seen, you're a part of it. You greet people. It seems to be a, I don't know, it's more than a meal. It is. And I am there start to finish. I wanted this place to feel like it wasn't a restaurant. I wanted it to feel like you were stepping into my kitchen for an evening, a full evening that would turn into what would be a five-hour dinner. But at the end of it, you felt like you had been here an hour and a half with your best friends. Time had slipped away. Talk about what you're trying to bring in the food experience. And the recipes are here. The food is Extremely simple. And for a while, I I looked at myself and thought I wasn't good enough because, you know, how could I be serving this simple food? And why would people want to travel from all across the country and bang down the doors to be here? And then I, I realized that that maybe what we were really craving was just a simple, delicious meal. And so the food is really based on the ingredients. And we change the menu every day. You know, it's all dependent on what we find for ingredients. I never write a menu, and then go shopping. I always look at the ingredients first and then make a decision. Well, you say simple. I would say art. A skillet of scallops with cedar, chorizo, and lime. Garlicky mignon steaks with caramelized onion butter. Honeyed beets with feta and toasted pistachios. Mm. Everything has a little dollop of something and then maybe a flour. A little something special. But if you if you look at the core of the recipes and the ingredients, it's really very much ingredient focused. And, you know, this book is really about giving you that tool to add a little something special that you can take something that feels ordinary and make it extraordinary in a really simple and meaningful way. But in the book as well, there's a lot of extra. There's kind of how to have your life have a certain look to it. It's not about a look. It's about how do you how do you make someone feel? And if you think about a meal, sure, the food is the anchor that brings us to the table. But it's that feeling that you are creating around your space and being thoughtful and intentional, whether it is the tablecloth you chose to put down or if you've found some vintage candlesticks or pieces of silverware that you love that you dot the table with. I love anyone who has, like me, a slight obsession with moss, as you write. (laughs) But you can use it as a bed alongside 
frozen rocks when plating oysters, you say. I mean, then suddenly you've got something special. Yes, and that costed nothing. And you make the oysters look like they're the most impressive thing that you've ever found. You have a chapter, Signatures. What is that? Those little things that you can put on the table or those little extra moments that you can create that aren't necessarily edible, but they still evoke a feeling of entertaining. What's the number one thought you want to impart about hospitality, about (sighs) imparting to people that feel that you want them to have? I've always struggled to call myself a chef, and I've always felt like I was more of a hostess, which I think we downplay that word as, you know, that's just someone who's a little beneath. But I think it's such a powerful being to be that as a hostess. You have the power to give someone your utmost care and make them feel something so delicious. It's so much more than just food on the table. You know, if you go to a a nice restaurant, you have a nice meal, but the music is off. Too loud. Yes, or the lights are too bright, or, you know, you can't hear each other. You can't, you know, even touch each other's fingers because the table's too wide. All of those little things can make something not feel extraordinary. And so how do you pull the environment and the moment and the food and everything just right? And for me, I love that feeling of capturing that as a hostess creating that moment. And and we should say a hostess is someone who greets you at the door and gives you the menu, Mm. which is an important thing. What we're talking about in your case is you are a guide through the whole evening. You're a dinner partner. Yes. Let's listen to a little bit of CBS Sunday Morning, which did a wonderful profile, to give a sense of that. Here's to the memories we make in this room, and I hope they last a good long time. Here's to three more hours of eating, okay? (laughs) Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers. So your story has been optioned. You have a television show already. You have, you know, people, as you said, scything their way uh, up through Maine Mm -hmm. to get to the restaurant. How do you stay centered with that? Or not worried about, oh, my gosh, what do I have to increase? How do I change and grow? Mm -hmm. How are you navigating that? I do worry all the time. (laughs) I think that's human. And that's part of what I think keeps me grounded and balanced is constantly caring so deeply about, you know, where's the next inspiration? What am I going to do next? And I know that I'll never have enough to feed everyone who wants to come to the restaurant. So looking for these other ways. And part of that was this book and being able to share and unlock those secrets and feelings. I mean, I started this restaurant on a four-burner electric stove in my apartment, and that was a very ordinary, extremely ordinary home chef start. And now I'm running one of the most difficult restaurants in the country to get into. So how do you unlock that for other people? How do you take something ordinary and make it extraordinary? And I think some of these recipes and some of these signatures in this book are exactly those things that I did that got me to this point in my career and to this place at the table and have brought me so much joy. Chef owner Erin French, her new book is Big Heart, Little Stove, Bringing Home Meals and Moments from the Lost Kitchen. Erin, thanks so much. Thank you, Robin. All right, before we wrap up, the end of the year is coming up, and we're reflecting a bit here at Book of the Day, and we're also looking ahead to everything we'll dig into in 2024, hopefully with your financial support. This is where we want to say a big thank you to our new Book of the Day Plus supporters and anyone listening who already donates to public media. Your support ensures that everyone has free access to reliable news and podcasts, including those who can't afford to give this season. And to anyone out there who isn't a supporter yet, right now is the time to get behind the NPR network, especially with our journalists gearing up for an important election year. So join NPR Plus. 
or make a tax-deductible donation now at donate.npr.org books. Thanks! Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch.